Like, yeah, if it's Michael Bay and Jerry Bruckheimer in one room and they have two different ideas and they're sort of both your boss, how do you negotiate that? Welcome back to Pictures Up, the podcast about careers in film. Today, I'm talking with Kaz Boyle, who is, uh, well, he's a bunch of things. He works with music. Uh, the kinds of credits you might see him getting are things like composer, arranger, programmer, orchestrator, conductor. Those are some of the job titles that he gets credited as on IMDb. He's worked on films such as Bridget Jones's Baby, The Great Gatsby, Megamind, Couples Retreat, The Incredible Hulk, World Trade Center, and Spanglish, as well as the way that I became connected with him is through a film that we both worked on called Old Fashioned. So if you ever wondered what a career of a composer, of a film composer, looks like, this is the episode for you. Let's go ahead and dive right in. So do you go by Kaz or Kazmir? I go by Kaz okay. uh, with kind of everyone I actually speak with. Okay. Yeah, I'm sort of on paper, I'm Kazmir. I noticed on IMDb that sometimes it says, as Kaz, Boyle, and some, like, is that a transition you made at some point? Yeah, that is a transition. It's also sort of a quirk of IMDb because sometimes I actually was credited as Casimir and IMDb doesn't kind of catch up. And so I haven't amended that. Um, but I did transition. I, you know, I used to actually sign my sheet music with just, you know, by Kaz Boyle and then. Okay. Can you tell us what you primarily do? Sure. Relative to <laughs> filmmaking? Yeah. So relative to filmmaking, um, it's composing the music, uh, usually to picture after the film is shot and uh, edited, or at least mostly edited. Okay. Um, it's not, a, you know, a finished, usually a finished lock product before I get it. I uh, I also have worked as, and continue to work as an arranger and orchestrator, programmer um, on the projects that other composers are scoring. Okay, so... You just used some terms that I'm confident not everybody mm -hmm. is totally aware. Okay. I have some idea, but I'm sure I could use some education as well. So can you take us through uh, just sort of what each of those each of those jobs is? Yeah, so it is it is a little uh, sort of intentionally or not vague. Um, okay. Uh, there's uh, so the composer writes the music. Um, they're the person whose name's usually at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Uh, and depending on the scale and scope of the film, sometimes the resources are allocated to have a team. Um, and that team can be everyone from who gets the coffee and, you know, uh, to someone an, who... An assistant of some sort? Yeah, definitely. You know, ass assistants of various levels um, right. up, up into uh, a accredited support composer okay. who is sort of, you know, sort of above the above the table. There's no sort of hidden ghosting. Um, okay. But their name's buried in the credits and they're filling in the gaps. Um, I've, I've filled basically every one of those roles across my career. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, an orchestrator in the film world usually refers to someone who's taking uh, the digital rendition uh, of the the music, usually sometimes referred to as the demo or the mock-up, and translating that onto sheet music for players to record. 
So you're you have a MIDI file, or you're listening to something like uh, yeah. And, often and it's it often it's a MIDI music. file. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's kind of bridging that gap between you know what can a computer play back and what will human beings play back. Uh, I see. Yeah. Sort of the sheet music that most people are familiar with reading. Uh, you know, most musicians are familiar with reading. Uh, that has to there has to be a step that takes it from the version that the director hears that's artificial and uh, the final product, you know, the final legible sheet music. And would that include uh, instrumentation as far as breaking out which portions would be played by which instruments? Yeah, so it depends. Sometimes there it's very, very clear and, and spelled out. Other times there are some either technical or creative decisions that need to be made there. Uh, I'm usually not that person who okay. does that job. Okay. Uh, oftentimes when it's not... I, I am when it's my own film and I don't have the budget to... I have a budget to recover recording musicians, but I don't have a budget to hire someone to do that painstaking labor. I see. Um, then you do it yourself. Then I do it myself. I see. Um, it is a really wonderful luxury to be able to hand that off to somebody, particularly if you're talking about, uh, you know, an orchestral score uh, where there are so many parts and it's just more involved. P part of what I've do done in the support roles is more of the taking a rough demo and polishing it up into a more polished demo. Oh, interesting. So it's, uh, I'll take uh, something that perhaps it's only a piano and string sketch and spread it out into the orchestra, which is sort of, I, I like to use the term arranging in that sense. Okay. Uh, you know, it, again, it's all kind of fuzzy. In the old days, that was orchestration of taking a sketch uh, fundamentally and then deciding who plays what. Yes. The term is sometimes called mock-up, sometimes called demo. Uh, oftentimes my job is th there's no demo. That's what I c produce out of my studio is the final version. I see. It, it, you skip the demo. Yes. It has yeah. to. It's, it's a demo in that it demonstrates what the music will be, and okay. it is modifiable, which is I see. very nice because it's... I hate that sound. What is that sound? Perhaps a director says, and you could say, oh, no more oboe, uh, and change it without having to, you know, wait till you're, there's thousands of dollars per minute on the line of right. players in the room. So, you know, you're using the term sketch, and uh, so if we do compare this, like, to drawing, sort of a lead composer might sketch out a whole bunch of things, like, to cover the, the the film where the music cues go and then they may hand that off for those to be more fully rendered like in you know to add the color and add, you know to paint in all the rest of the details and so on based on the original quick sketch it, what you're saying is that now if you're the the only composer on the project you're you're not going to go through that two-step process you're actually going to deliver something that is kind of fully rendered but still plastic enough to modify correct yeah okay there have been a few occasions when i've been able to outsource some of those steps it's almost always it's it's a uh, result of a time constraint as sort of the support or lead composer there's always the lead composer is always the creative gateway between that work and the, the director or producer but yeah when 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 it's when it's my film i'm filling in all those, checking off all those boxes. Let's see, we talked about composer, arranger, 
orchestration mm-hmm. or is that orchestrator yeah, orchestrator okay mm-hmm. uh programmer yeah so programmer also fills in a little bit of that arranger perhaps in sort of to, to differentiate it say suppose all the parts were there say it was just a string arrangement and it's all exactly where the composer wants it except their fake strings don't sound as good or real as maybe they can maybe i can make that their vision more accurate to help sell the idea because you know usually if i'm being brought in it is going to be something that will eventually be recorded live uh if if it's someone else's project but you know as on on my own film my again programming is just part of honestly it's part of the composition process and part of that step of oftentimes other than once you get away from the sketches the programming is built into the arranging and the orchestration um it's all kind of the layers as you know and i'm trying to think of a way to get back to like the art analogy right yeah yeah yeah. Uh, and it's kind of well the shading and the texture and the contrast is kind of built into your color palette yeah well programming that's dealing with midi material primarily right Yes, there's there's also the mixing audio element of it, but MIDI is usually where I live. Are you creating the MIDI information, or are you just fleshing out the voices, or I don't it, know? It depends. Um, and again, if we're speaking about a work that I start, that I take start to finish, then of course yeah. all, all the steps are happening, and rarely will I, because I'm not a great piano player, keyboard player, so when I am writing my own music and programming my own music, uh, I will play it in very poorly and oh, then program to basically and clean it up. It's basically building a performance is, okay. is, is what you're doing as MIDI programming is you're creating, simulating uh, an ensemble's performance or a, a solo's performance. Um, if this was something where I was helping out another composer, then, th- then it would be an issue of, you know, revoicing a chord or uh, a line, uh, you know, sometimes that, has to you know if you're taking someone's you know piano sketch and uh translating that into the world of for simplicity a string orchestra and it's okay well how are we going to divide this up it's sort of how it only sounds real if it's done the way you know even if it's not going to be performed by a live ensemble if you want to make it sound like a real performance you have to think that way Mm. and so that is about choosing well where you know in which octave should this sit is is this uh do, you know do we put this part on second violins or are we you know putting two different voices in the violas and some of the those sort of technical things um are really tied to the accuracy and realism maybe this is oversimplification but programming is creating a sort of virtual digital performance yes and then it's also assigning that performance to voices Yes and um, no. Sort of on its basic, most basic level, programming could be like uh, I recently, yeah, this earlier this year, I worked on a project where a composer gave me a full, polished orchestral score, and there was, you know, then I was basically creating a digital performance of that score without making any creative musical choices. I see. And it was all there on the page, you know, the volume, you know, like the dynamic shaping, uh, every note for every player. Um, and so that was, uh, my directive there was not to edit, editorialize or create or put my stamp on it, or it was basically a translation of, instead of hiring 
60 people to do this. We're going to get an approximation by hiring just me. So it's, um, I, yeah. Sometimes, I sometimes it is purely a, uh, the craft of knowing those synthetic, uh, instruments and, and knowing those tools and applying those tools to creative work. Other times there's the whole spectrum of, oh, well, would a French horn work for that voice? You know, would, uh, you know, doubling a harp with pizzicato strings really bring out that rhythm that's subtle in there? And like you said, it's like, it's always, it is plastic and it can be, it has to go through someone's ears and choice of whether or not, you know, well, that's, that's too much creativity. Let's stick a little closer to, you yeah. know, what, what was handed in the sketch. Gotcha. Okay, so I think we've gotten uh, a good amount of technical discussion <laughs> of the different jobs and what they do. Mm-hmm. Not every composer or musician is involved with film work. I assume that your interest in music preexisted your interest in doing film music. So can you talk about what happened, how, how that interest developed? Yes, yeah, so I will say that my interest in film music goes back a long, long way to, okay. you know, before I ever was in fourth grade and oh, started wow. playing the trombone, it was, I'm, you know, listening to John Williams. And then that was something wonderful and not that I thought that was what I wanted my career to go, but I, I knew about it and it was special and important to me. And then I was a trombone player and played jazz and orchestra and band and all those things. Uh, and then in high school, got a piano, my family got a piano and I started improvising and found that to be something I wanted to do in my free time and uh, get a little more serious about it. And then composing in general became of interest to me throughout my undergrad. And then my senior years, even though I I was interested in film, but I was at a school at University of Illinois where there was not a community of filmmakers until uh, senior year. There was a small limited series sponsored by the foreign language department, uh, German Austrian, it was actually Austrian silent films from the twenties and they had four of them and wanted them new scores to be created. Oh, interesting. And so I was kind of handed one of those to do and really fell in love with it. Um, and that became kind of a, yes, this is, this is what I, Oh wow. This is what I want to do. How old were you? Uh, I was a senior in college, so I would have been 20. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, um, and how did that, how did that score turn out? It was, well, technically I didn't have many, many tools. It was, you know, 80 plus minute feature film that was on a VHS that they had given me. And this is, <laughs> this is the the late nineties and the tools were, right. were limited. And it, I was working in the, you know, the communal computer music lab. Right. And it was trying to sync up music 80 minutes in by pressing space bar on the, the Mac and play on the VHS. Oh, wow. Okay. So and, there, there was no, um. No synchronization or slave control of one machine to no, another. No, no. Okay. And there was no, you know, there was, you know, I was just going just from my heart as far yeah. as, I well, I understand what themes are and I understand tying a theme to a character and I understand kind of how tempo and pacing should work. Um, I loved it. it. You know, it melted my heart. Like listening back, I would never want to watch that movie again with that yeah. score, especially with the sort of, the sounds that I had, the the sort of rudimentary um, uh, playback and everything like that, that wasn't, it was not very expressive. Um, 
uh, I did for my senior recital create a, a string orchestra suite, which mm. uh, from from that, which uh, you know, it sort of showcases the tunes, and I still think some of the tunes are decent. If yeah, you know, that's juvenilia, but it was the, my, it was my gateway. It really okay. was my kind of okay. This is you know, I don't know where the rest of my life is going, but this is definitely where I want to move. Do you was that a realization that was sort of um, slow and came uh, uh, over time, or was there a moment when you? It, it seems like the process of working on that project was a moment, but was there a, even a more specific moment when you realized? I think it must have been earlier. It must have been when I lobbied for it, or when they offered it to me. Um. There was an excitement about that. Um, I was the the program was uh, writing primarily a lot of chamber music and twentieth uh, century contemporary. Um, you know, algorithmic or system or process music. And it wasn't, I was a tune writer in some ways at heart. And uh, I was able to, I was exposed to a lot of, and really appreciate everything I was exposed to. But in my spare time, I was writing show tunes and, you know, wanting to be Alan Menken. And, uh, and so it was, it was an opportunity that I thought, Oh, this is somewhere where I can, you know, really celebrate, embrace kind of maybe my own, more my own aesthetic. And, uh, so that was, that was specifically, that must, that strikes me now as a moment when, uh, if, it, if not a turning point, uh, certainly a significant moment yeah. to the, how much I was excited to get that project. So that the working on the project, it sort of felt like a confirmation maybe. Yeah. Yes, it was, you know, the the long hours didn't feel like work. And that's kind of when I think when you know you're on a right path. Yeah. When it's I forego sleep and eat out of necessity and when can I get back to this, right. you know, what at the time felt like this monumental undertaking. <laughs> From that point, like what did you do at that point? It's, it seems like you had some real clarity by that time. I definitely had kind of a which knowing that I love writing music, uh, knowing that I love like the narrative potential that music can have or con- how it can contribute to narrative um, and knowing that the music in films can reach uh, a broader audience yeah. than some of the uh, concert music that I was writing and it was very very specific limited audience that was important to me to be able to share and yeah. uh, and to be heard i did some research someone mentioned that there was a grad program that was just for film music or film okay. and television music there are there were several uh this was you know there are a lot more now but uh it was at usc and okay. it was in los angeles and i wanted to go there and that was the the heart of all of you know the whole hollywood thing so um so i applied for that and okay. and i got in and then it was a one year program and i thought okay well that's a great kind of way to get out there and i have this year to learn the sort of ins and outs of this craft and meet some people and learn the city and hopefully learn all kinds of things and put off real life for a year (laughs) at the same time, um, which was, can take away some of that fear of packing up your Honda Civic and (laughs) yeah, getting going. And so USC was great. Um, 
I'd what say was the application process like for that? I'm sure it was, you know, send three pieces of music and there was, I'm sure I had to send scores and recordings. Uh, probably had to have some letter from a, one of my professors. Uh, film music wasn't uh, really highly regarded. I think it was, oh. it was sort of a little, I think maybe considered pedestrian by some of the faculty, but, uh, but I, you know, it was it was a long time ago. I don't really remember. So the, USC's program was not specific to film. USC's program was specific to film. Oh, okay. It was a, it was a yeah one year grad like really kind of a professional, you know, certificate program. It's kind of come in, write a lot of this music, learn these thing, learn you know, learn these uh, elements of the craft. Yeah, and uh, you know, you you get out with, uh, you know, a, a demo reel of the 15 tracks that you wrote across the year and uh you know you learn how the or- recording sessions go and you learn how to work with picture and all of these things so it was it's not just uh space bar and play mm-hmm. on a vhs no, no. yeah <laughs> and it was it was a different time uh, yeah you know where it isn't anything like it is now to right where it's right, just right, right, pop right. open a laptop and everything kind of magically syncs up and right. you know um yeah. How did you start getting your foot in the door and getting to be able to work on, on projects? You know, because you've been on a bunch of things. Yeah. So there were definitely a few real turning points. I think one of the really the largest ones was uh, being asked to join Hans Zimmer's team as an assistant. Okay. Initially just as a, as a driver. Okay. Uh, to, to actually be Hans's driver. Okay. Uh, and, then, uh, and then later on I was offered a job as a second assistant tech assistant and i was completely underqualified so so how did like uh how did that where where did the connection come from oh so uh yeah so it was uh another composer uh a friend of mine jim dooley okay so he was uh in my program at usc and uh you know we were just friends and he thought well this is gonna be someone i'm gonna be spending long hours with and seems like i could be a quick learner and get along with the team because it really is you know, kind of an around the clock yeah. kind of world. And uh, so I th- his word went a long way, his recommendation. I don't know how many interviews they had when that op- job was opening up, but uh, Jim was the first tech assistant. And so I was the next in line and, you know, had a, v- I, as far as I recall, a very brief meeting with Hans. Okay. And uh, so somebody who was a friend of yours, they got kind of a break and then they thought of you and brought you along with. Right. He'd okay. been there for, you know, I think pretty soon after graduating SC, and I was, you know, a year and a half out from there, I think. So a friend from school. Yes. Really. So someone I, you know, yeah, had just met two years earlier. So was there a part of you that felt like I have gone to, I've I've been a musician basically my whole life, and I've gone to USC or composition and all of this, and now I'm driving. Yeah, or, well, or or were you like I'm driving for Hans Zimmer? Well, no, that's the thing. <laughs> I actually, didn't take the driving job. Oh, interesting. I, I I was offered and didn't accept it because it just felt like that wasn't what I, the role I wanted, and okay. kind of where I was in my life. And okay. you know, looking back, it seems kind of crazy that I said you, you declined. Know, that I said no, thanks, Mr. Zimmer. <laughs> you know, via Mr. Dooley, um, but. I think six, seven months later, they called again and said, it's a different position. It okay. is this, this you know, tech assistant. And okay. uh, 
And so I did have the feeling there, there was this a lot of adrenaline. It was, you know, I was, I was working for, um, well, it was temping, but then I led to a job just as administrative assistant at Warner Brothers Records. So it was, oh, I'm at this major label, but it was in the marketing department, you know, working, uh, you know, a desk for someone who handled Bette Midler and Cher. So it was very unrelated to what I wanted to be doing, but. It was, you know, paying the bills at the time. Right. This call came in and it was going to be, okay, this is going to be a lot longer hours and uh, there won't be any music writing involved in this job. This is going to be, you do as you're told, learn, 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 learn. And I did. Yeah. Uh, and it was a thrill. So it, what were you doing exactly? Um, at first it was learn how to wrap these cables. Learn okay. how, you know, there okay. was, you know, occasionally, you know, get the coffee, you know, order the lunch. Uh, it was still an ass- really an assistant. Oh, kind absolutely. Of, yeah. yeah. And then, you know, little by little I learned, well, how do you build a computer? How do you program, you know, some of the software? How do you, you know, f- follow signal flow from, you know, this computer through this one, through this mixer, through this processor? And it's all these technical things that I wasn't learning in school. I see. And there was also how do you, you know, sit in a meeting with Michael Bay and, you know, sell your sell your idea you know okay and if it's not so you got to you got to see hunts do that yeah and that it was you know that was you know priceless that's the kind of thing you just can't get in school and it's yeah that's interesting i you know i've seen a number of interviews with hans zimmer and also michael bay and uh that's just very interesting i'm i'm curious curious how that went down like yeah, if it's michael bay and jerry Bruckheimer in one room and they have two different ideas and they're sort of both your boss yeah. How do you negotiate that? And one of the things that, you know, I think a lot of a lot of successful composers have is this ability to uh, you know, walk away from an idea if it's not working for the movie. If it's not working for the director, it's not working for the movie. Yeah. And uh, you know, it, you may think it's genius, but you know, and Hans is very quick too. Okay, we'll just change that. No big deal. And you know, and I I was an assistant, so I didn't. Sure. I, did, I certainly didn't have. I, you know, you. Ha- I did have it, of course. I ha- I had my my own ego, but it was easy to keep it in check. Sort of when you're kind of around such these, you know, long shadows. <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> and uh, you know, it was exceptionally difficult uh, time, but because it was an exceptional education, that was so that was a that was a big you know like yeah you know like big step forward yeah being sort of even an assistant on. Hans Zimmer, you know, highest tier projects yeah. kind of something you can put a uh, sort of, you know, music assistant on your resume. It's like, great, that's, that's still there. Those are, you know, it's still on my yeah. IMDb is, <laughs> you know, you worked on these things. Somebody right. trusted you on this thing that was a $200 million project. Great. Right. Um, you know, I made, made some great relationships there because it was such a close knit around the clock environment um, where everyone's trusting everyone to get it done and do their job and and do their job at that really high level and so that kind of trust led to recommendations um and one of the more significant ones was a recommendation who uh to uh craig armstrong who's a scottish composer yeah, who was looking he did at World Trade Center? He did. St- yeah, he did. I'm sure, much many other things I mentioned. Yeah, at too, the time, but... I, and I worked on World Trade Center. Oh, okay. So I'm, I'm I'm buried in the credits there. Okay. Um, it was a wonderful week of uh, 2005 or no seven in in Glasgow somewhere in there. Okay. Um, 
and so so Craig was going to be working on uh, Fever Pitch in 2005, and so uh, he needed someone to do programming, arranging, what have you, uh, and and so and he was coming to Los Angeles to Santa Barbara actually, oh, okay. and so someone you know he asked his agent, "Can you find me somebody who's local and capable?" and he and I got along really well, and that led to a lot of really wonderful opportunities for me. So that was great because then I moved a little bit more out of the purely technical into being more of okay. I'm I actually have my hands involved in the music. Like the music passes through me, one you know, in 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 right. in one way. Yeah, and it's so interesting. So your first break. I don't care what you're doing. If if you say with Hans Zimmer, that's mm-hmm. going to help your career probably <laughs> in some way. And um, but then Craig Armstrong is also like a, a you know yeah he was a, he won his Golden Globe from Milan Rouge you y- know yeah. uh, three so, no, five years before I met him you know? r- right so um, you were able to m- sort of transition from really low level work more technical work more assistant work to finally getting to be a musician mm-hmm. it sounds like that's true yeah yeah so how many projects did you work on with him. Um, I mean, it's got to be kind of a pushing 10. And was that generally like programming or orchestration? Or? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm credited sort of different ways, uh, yeah. but it's, you know, usually it's sort of polishing, you know, his arrangements. Okay. Um, there was, you know, some arranging as well, but it's usually he gave me sort of here is the scene, you know, can you take this and work some MIDI magic to like help, you know, sort of bridge that gap between a director's imagination and where it will be when we record it with the orchestra. Like, what would he deliver to you then? Um, recording uh, okay. in a MIDI file, most often. That, going back to the beginning of our conversation, mm-hmm. he was giving you something a little bit rougher and wanting you to, to polish it, not to final polish, but to, to where it's more presentable for the director to audition. Right. Did you ever see like some of the work that you did in that make it then into? Oh the, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, and that's super gratifying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of a, oh yeah, I, you know, put in that one little shift in the baseline, you know, or okay. you know, like oh, I think there's a few of my counterline notes made it in, kind of thing. Okay. But uh, he was also very willing to say if you want to add some things, great, and you know, I have the sort of right to delete any or all of it. <laughs> Uh, right. You know, if if it's not in keeping with the way I would tell the story, right? Um, yeah. But that's that's got to be nice to be a collaborator. Oh yeah, no, it was very, it was very much. I think he, you know, would trust my opinion, and you know, I, you know, over time, learned to, tr- you know, trust some of, you know, what what I could bring to the table, and 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 vice versa, because we got to work together so often. I will find myself even in my own music sometimes doing something and say, oh, that's, that's kind of a Craig move. Like, oh, interesting. So it's just because he has such a unique, you know, personal style. And then I would hear, like, something I would do that would, oh, that's exactly how Craig would do it. Just because, you know, it's all these things that we absorb over time. So, uh, no, it's been, a, that's been a really wonderful uh, collaboration for me over the huh. years. So you were able to take that step to, to um, doing creative work, but still not 
really being the composer, you know, yes. not not getting that uh, yes. position. When when did that finally happen? Well, I was doing short films that nobody ever knows. Nope, you know, okay. they're they're seen in, in film festivals. Um, right. But it was opportunity for me to just do my thing and uh, take it from start to finish. And uh, I think I I'd had a short film kind of around the same time, maybe the year after I started working with Craig, a short film that went to slam dance which is just outside of sundance and someone in the line waiting to go see that movie maybe it was even before he saw the movie was a producer on a film and said oh we're looking for a composer oh okay and so one of those kind of right place right time so you were at slam dance with the film yes and just happened to be yeah and they're just like oh well we need somebody and for, uh for that. you know send us some, some music that sounds like this you okay. know and meet with the director and okay one of those opportunities um another sort of what i think of is a real integral uh really important switch for me to being you know quote the composer the you know the music person on a film led to it uh, from a uh, a cold email that I sent to someone. I just looked up a film uh, project that interested me on IMDb and found the contact information of the producer and wrote to him. And it was a short film, but it was uh, an animated, which, and I love animation, so that okay. really appealed to me. And uh, it had Martin Sheen doing a voice and Kristen Bell doing a voice. And um, it was it completed? It was. It was. It was still being edited. Okay. Um, so you somehow managed to find a project at the right phase yes. where it was done enough where you kind of knew what it was, but not so done that they didn't need a composer anymore. Yeah. And, you know, you can rely a little bit on sort of the internet information on that with IMDb, but it's not it's not foolproof. Um, <laughs> right. But I did catch them at the opportunity, you know, just at that time and had something in my demo that I sent uh, that appealed to them. And, you know, I, maybe they gave me a test scene. But that director, uh, there were two directors, an animation director and you know, more of a director who directed the uh, actors. Um, but both directors I've worked with multiple times and uh, that producer I've worked with multiple times as well. Okay, so that, and so that, 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 became, that became kind of... Uh, and then through all of them, I've received recommendations I see. for all the other things. So that, and that became sort of a, oh, we loved what you did on this you were great to work with. Not only will we work with you again, but we will put your name out there. Yeah. Once you start getting the right break, it becomes viral a little bit. A I little mean, bit. A little, I yeah. mean, you, you know, and there was there was a time when I felt certain things started to get this momentum. Where in the scheme of things did you work on Old Fashioned? So Old Fashioned did uh, come out of that relationship from that cold call. There was a, uh, I forgot exactly, it was a consulting director and Jeffrey Jeffrey okay yeah, yeah. so Jeffrey, Jeffrey Travis. Travis so Jeffrey Travis was uh, one of the directors on the animated film Flatland oh okay and uh, so I reached out to Jeffrey and Dana who was the animation director and Seth Kaplan uh, Dana Johnson and Seth Kaplan was the director and producer and just had just the best time on that on that project and years later I did the sequel and then I did Jeffrey did a cyber thriller called Dragon Day yeah and so the about the year after that uh, I saw that he was working on something and said hey what's what's this film old-fashioned that you're and he said well I'll, I'll put you in touch with the director and uh, and he did and I got to watch the film and had lots to say about it and was really inspired by it hmm. But it was one of those, you know, I wouldn't necessarily, that wouldn't necessarily cross my eye line, 
without that personal connection. One of my nephews is obsessed with film scores. You know, he like knows every composer and, you know, his whole library is, you know, film scores. And Mm -hmm. he goes to see movies just for the score, you know, when he he chooses what movie he's going to see by who, who wrote the music for it. And it sounds like there's a part of his journey that's similar to yours, but just to anybody who might be listening who would be interested in pursuing a career like yours, what what advice would you give them? Go uh, to USC? <laughs> well, no, 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 not really. Um, uh, no, USC was great for me. Um, and I'm sure that, you know, and it's changed a lot. You know, I have to think, like trying to think back, like, what, what advice could I give myself? Yes. You know, like there definitely were a lot of, uh, and what advice do I try to continuously give myself? Um, there were, you know, it's like luck, you know, it's like you make your own luck and you you have to be prepared when the luck strikes, uh, which is what I try to remind myself Yeah, because I really have been blessed by so many just crazy, wonderful opportunities, you know, study what's out there, do a lot of listening, but yeah. try, try your best to, uh, establish your own voice. And I know that's really hard when you're young and it's, if someone said, well, what does your music sound like to me? that's really hard part of me likes that because i love one of the things i love is the eclectic nature of film scoring is that you yeah. can write you know uh, any an animated yeah. film and then something that's a horror and then there's something super romantic and and i don't want to give that up at the same time i think that you don't want to study danny elfman and sound like danny elfman um mm. because you get the projects where they wanted danny elfman and couldn't afford Danny Elfman. Right. Uh, it's hard to make your a name for yourself when all you really do is... It, yes, write. Yeah. So, so write a lot of music. Yeah. Write a lot of music. Uh, get, you know, take as many... Find, find opportunities to write to picture. Ideally, that'll be, you know, at first probably short films or, you know, if you can find a feature, that's fantastic. Think about music as how it serves the movie. Um, you know, write music away from picture as well. I definitely encourage that but think about your job as part of a team yeah film music is special in many ways but partially because and part of what i love about it is it's not just me in a room you know making my art not making an album not making a symphony my music has a job to do so think about that uh as and, and and find opportunities to to practice that to practice writing for different kinds of scenes and how do you apply your own musical decision making and your composing to that variety of scenes that's going to be really important relationships are super important your attitude i was really lucky and continue to be really lucky that this is one of the only things i've ever wanted to do and i get to, and i get to do it that's yeah. i don't know that that's unique um, yeah. and i don't want to take that for granted but i've also been really appreciative i've taken you know, every job that I've taken, I really am grateful for it. And to be offered the chance to, it's a great responsibility when someone has spent the time and money and all of their heart on something and not just one person, but the whole team of filmmakers and composers are just about the last, last cog in that machine yes, at the yeah. end of the chain and have so much power and with great power comes great responsibility and <laughs> and it is yes. it is an honor and a blessing and a responsibility and 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 it's been and a gift and so i try to have gratitude yeah uh, and, and you know and gratitude when it's just a chance to learn you know when i was had a really tough time as an assistant i was learning and i i never quit and gave up and that's that's another thing it's 
it's a long it's a long game you know some some folks you know get lucky in a different way that i did and the first thing they do is attach to some project that is fantastic or you know someone hears their music and it's much better than the project but the right person heard it and yeah sent it up the food chain but it's a long game for almost everybody yeah and it's uh it's you know it's a career of little steps what's the difference between being a good composer and being a good film composer well a good film composer ideally is also a good composer Okay, but a good good film composer is a subset of that, where uh, they are a great collaborator. Okay, uh, they're they're a storyteller that, uh, you know, you can be a fantastic composer, uh, and have write gorgeous or exciting and powerful music that doesn't tell a story, and that yes. doesn't belittle the music at all. Right, not all music should be telling a story, um, and not all film music needs to be telling a story. But in line with the film, it has its job to do. So. A great film composer, I think, you know, a a great film composer has music that is, can take the power that it has when associated with picture and hold on to the essence of that when it's listened to, that music, when it's, when that music is listened to away from picture can bring the listener back to that place as part of the you know the drama or the narrative the comedy or what have you it's something that can stand on its own um not all film music needs to do that not all film most film music can't yeah. um so i think that's what makes a, you know a great film composer great not, not many painters would be able to tolerate somebody coming in and just saying well you know what you did over here just don't really i don't think it's really working that well and mm. can you do this something else this instead you know so i i think that there's a humility that has to come with it you, you know you have to it, it, somebody that's just doing art for art's sake that or art that is a standalone that's not part of a bigger more sophisticated piece of art you know you have complete freedom and complete control and that's so scary to me yeah, and that's so scary. It's I I need I need the restrictions. I, I you know frankly I really kind of crave the feedback, and I don't want oh, I don't want it to be. Oh, I love it. I love that too. Oh, I love that too. Oh, this is great. Version one, everything passes. <laughs> uh, then you know then I'm part. I'm working with someone who maybe it's genius, maybe it's flawless, but I don't have. I like having the the feedback and the opportunity to refine. Mm. Uh, sometimes that means scrapping an idea that uh, I think is the yeah. best the best idea I've ever had. Um, but I really do thrive on that collaborative nature. Um, I find it to be, you know, not not humility but opportunity. Yeah. Uh, or maybe it's you know they're tied together. Yeah. Um, but to me, if uh, if someone just loves everything that I do, more often than not, they're not taking the music too seriously or, or their, or their, their, their film too seriously. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. Uh, for me, I, I love it when there's two or three cues that it's, uh, you just nailed it. It's perfect. Don't change it. But you know, there's some other satisfaction of the 20th version is the one <laughs> that is in there. And right. they're kind of a, we had to hammer it down and mm. just find our way to that challenging mm. you never know which piece it's going to be in the movie it's always something you, mm. you know you never know but um 
that give and take is is a, is a big part you know not only how i give and take with the scene but with the the filmmakers is just so satisfying you were in los angeles and just recently moved to chicago and so is scoring something that you can do remotely is that's something i'm interested in and i'm also interested in how um los angeles compares to chicago mm-hmm. as far as a place just to live and be involved with film mm-hmm. so yeah so i'll I'll take the first part you know first sure. and i'll say certainly can be done remotely okay. and i've really even living in los angeles found that a lot of my work was remote one way or mm-hmm. another whether or not it was someone i was working with in india or scotland or austin or the west side of los angeles okay and it wasn't we get together and meet it was either phone call or just emailing files um Here's what I've done. Here's the description. Here are the numbers. Go. Um, it had been a little bit of a while since a director really wanted to meet with me regularly, um, you know, for a lack of, you know, for either kind of practical reasons of proximity or just their preference in, in work style, you know, mm-hmm. particularly not for features necessarily. Features, you want to have a little bit more of that in the room, face to face collaboration. Otherwise, you start to just lose some of that connection. But um, for a lot of the work that I was doing, it was the workflow was I, I have direction and I submit something and take, you know, feedback and, and there it is. And there was it didn't seem essential to to, to be there because I was that something that's changed over time. Certainly. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Because you can afford more of your own tools and the bandwidth and all of that for delivery of files and all of that is sure it's yeah, just there all was there a time now. i remember when it was oh you can only send an mp3 and oh of course it's <laughs> going to sound like garbage or right. you can't send it you know your your music married to the video and now it's so easy to just upload a high quality video right and someone can check you know not, not instantaneously but very quickly right and even like do you use frame io or are there other tools that you like are you familiar with frame io no i'm not um it's or Vimeo Pro? Oh, yes. Yes, actually, I've used Frame.io for something. Okay. Once. Yeah, someone sent me something on that. But, um, yeah. But, yeah, just these online tools for um, feedback mm-hmm. uh, of video content, you know, video and audio content. It's They're really good. Really right. Great. You can mark a specific time of with this, exactly this note here <laughs> yes. is uh, hanging on too long. Yeah. Um, you can that, even hashtag them so you can filter them by what kinds of notes people are getting oh, that's and great. things like that. So, um, yeah, yes. So to, you know, I, you know, I am continually continue, continuing to work on a project that I was working on when I left Los Angeles. It's okay. the same project and it was based somewhere else and I'll be flying in when I need to have meetings. And uh, the second part, I'm a little new to the Chicago scene. Yeah. I know it is a much smaller pool yeah. uh, as far as the amount of film and TV work that's happening uh, locally. But uh, that's something I'm looking forward to exploring. Uh, there's there's also, uh, I also write music for ads and there's a big commercial market in oh, Chicago. Okay. Um, it's global, of course. Everything's kind of global, right? But I am looking forward to exploring the, the you know, the film scene here and uh, just the post production scene in general. So, what uh, what motivated you to move here from Los Angeles? Yeah, it was a, a few things. Um, first of all, I'm from here, 
Okay, so, so it's moving home. Kind I do, of. Yes, it is. I yes. was, you know, it was 20 years in Los Angeles, and there's roots. There's definitely family and friends that are here that I'm, you know, have been really appreciative to appreciated re- reconnecting with. Yeah. Um, on a really regular basis, um, I have young children, and the school program here is really much better than what we were going to be having in public schools. Where I see in the area where we, where we were living. The real estate in Los Angeles versus the real estate here has been a motivator. Yeah. So, what is what is a sort of an entry level middle class uh, house cost there versus here? Without putting sort of numbers on the, like the cost of the house, because I don't really have you know entry level middle. I don't really know where that sure. scale is, but I will say that it's you know uh, half the price here. Okay. I would say it's sort of a per square foot kind sure. of a two to one, and we had we were outgrowing our old house. We had to move somewhere because both my wife and I had home workspaces, and with two two kids, it was it wasn't wasn't going to work for very much longer. So we started to look, and we because we both work from home, we had uh, the option to move anywhere, and we consider other cities. Um, but I think because we had a community here that let us here. Um, because we were just ready for something new. That yeah. was that was part of it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of the sort of final, oh, yeah, yeah, let's do this kind of component was I was offered a job at Columbia College downtown teaching oh, okay. uh, just adjunct uh, in their MFA program of screen music, um, electronic orchestration. Okay. So I'm teaching or- film film music orchestration, which kind of really taps into, the, you know, my 20 years of experience of yeah you know, programming, orchestrating, arranging, composing, you know, all Mm -hmm. of those little things and how they all tie together and um, to help prepare some of these students for, you know, their journey to Los Angeles or into, into the professional composing world. Yeah. So how long ago did you move to Chicago? Uh, Back? Two months. Okay. So quite recently. Yeah. 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 End of, end of the summer. Now we're just past Halloween, so yeah. So you're you're going into the winter. Yeah, we're thinking maybe some <laughs> snow that looks looks like maybe snow this week. Possible. Yeah, I saw that. I'm hearing my bus, and I see snow in the forecast. That should be interesting. Yeah, I grew up with it, but I've gotten soft. It's 20 years <laughs> in Los Angeles. Is you know, you, oh, I came home for Christmas, and isn't that snow charming? It's different when it's <laughs> you know February 12th, and uh, you know you've got another six weeks of yeah, you know, temperatures in the teens, and uh, you know, bless my wife, she's Southern California girl, so okay, it's gonna be an even bigger adventure for so her. So this is if there's culture shock for you, it's for her. Yeah, more so. I, I, yeah. I'm not naive enough to think that I'll be bouncing through the whole winter and just, <laughs> oh, just put a sweater on, no big deal. Uh, so, but yes, she's, uh, you know, that's what everyone says. Like, oh, how's she gonna do? It's like she's, she's tough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um. You got any projects in the pipeline right now? Um, yeah. So right now I am working on a horror film. Okay. Uh, and it was, uh, it's being re-edited right now, which is sort of a little bit of a holding pattern. Oh, um, yeah. So I'd, I'd written a bunch of music for it. Really smart, really beautifully shot. Um, and uh, just, it, it's going to go great places. Um, and I, I'm waiting to see kind of uh, where they come out as far as the edit on the other end to see sort of if what I've done so far uh, is still applicable. Right. Um, cause ideally you want to start working. I mean, you, you want to get a jump on things before they have picture lock, but 
it's risky to do too much work before things have boiled down. Yeah, yeah, I don't mind, uh, you know, particularly because we had this move. It was not sort of, it, I'd oh, rather I have see. it that way than if they said, look, we really need you to be 100% available during this small window of time. It sort of worked out well. And I so um, it is risky, though. And uh, sometimes scores get replaced and sometimes the composer replaces it, him or herself. But <laughs> right. other times it's not. And uh, and so I'm just I'm just really excited to get back into into that project because I did live with it for a while. Um and I'm I'm wrapping up some polishing. Uh, yeah, some. There's another film that I scored. We actually recorded the orchestra in April, but there are some editorial tweaks based on uh, some test screenings. Oh, I see. So, um, so I'm sort of seeing where that shakes out. There's probably a few minutes of music that I'm going to be writing for that. And uh, um, you know, I'm just as much as I'm the last uh, the last sort of cog in that machine. Right. I'm always excited to sort of see when these. When the films get out into the world, yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, I feel bad for the actors. Sometimes they have to wait years before right. they get to see see their work uh, right. come to fruition. Um, that and I'm just, uh, you know, writing just some uh, just more music for myself. Uh, mm-hmm. A little bit. I have some projects just that you know they're not grand scale things, but just stuff to kind of keep my bu- keep me busy, hone my hone my skills, uh, and explore some ideas that interest me well very cool well um thank you so much for taking time and uh you you live in a beautiful neighborhood here yeah it's wonderful yeah real real autumn out there it's yes it is it's you know as i was pulling in like it's home alone was set in chicago right i think it was in the suburbs yeah yeah Yeah. anyway it for some reason that chicago that film Mm -hmm. has is uh, visually emblematic of Chicago mm-hmm. to me, and as I was driving through, you know, this area, it it felt like, oh, I see, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So very cool. Well, um, you know, congratulations on your move to Chicago and and move back home. And yeah, just thanks for taking the time and letting us pick your brain and sort of get to vicariously experience your success and the things that you've been doing. And um, yeah, just wish you the best. Thank you. It's been really, really a fun kind of trip down memory lane. And to, in order to explain myself, it's, uh, yeah, it's just been a treat. <laughs> Very cool. So whether you're interested in being a film musician yourself, or if you're interested in film music from the director or producer side, hopefully you know a bit more now than you did an hour ago. When I was a teenager, I was super into synthesizers and music and all of that stuff. And it's fun to compare notes with somebody who actually followed that dream through to having a successful career in it. Yeah, it was just super fun talking shop with Kaz. I hope you enjoyed it as well. We'll see you next time on Pictures Up.